In our first lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, Paul is working as a missionary. And we hear how he goes about trying to convey to the very sophisticated people of Athens the good news of God in Christ. Today's lesson reveals him as a seasoned traveler who seeks information about the people he meets as he journeys. He's in Athens, a city known as a seat of learning. Today we might say he was in a university town like Berkeley or Palo Alto. He tells the Athenians that he's walked through their city and studied their objects of worship. He would have seen images of Jupiter and Juno, Minerva and Neptune, Mars and Venus, Diana and Bacchus. And there would also have been images of dead emperors because each Caesar, unless disgraced, was automatically declared a god after their death. But Paul found a tiny ray of light for the gospel that Jesus preached in one altar with an intriguing inscription. It was dedicated to an unknown god. Paul told his listeners that he knew they were deeply religious, and he lets them know he has information about the unknown God. He then tells them that the unknown God does not live in shrines made by human beings. Rather, this God gave each of us breath and is as near to us as our own breathing. Breath is very important in the Christian story, and it will grow more important in the days ahead. You remember that Adam first became a living soul when God breathed into him. Breath is one clear indication that a body is alive. So let's take a few minutes and think about our breath. Our bodies breathe without any effort on our part. We could say that our bodies breathe us. But breath is also a tool in meditation and prayer. I've spent a number of years in a Tai Chi class, and I've also studied yoga. And I meditate as well, counting my breaths. I suspect many of you are familiar with these disciplines. They emphasize deep breathing, and they work with our breath. To focus on our breath and to control our breathing, to make it deeper and slower and more regular, is helpful both to the body and mind. And, as I said, it can be a pathway to meditation and prayer. It can influence not only our body and mind, but also our souls. It's recently been noted that meditation can permanently change our mental processes for the better. One of my favorite exercises from yoga is what is called ujjayi breath, which means victorious breath. And I don't know the origin of the name, but it seems to me that it may mean victory over death. And since we're in the Easter season, we might even call it resurrection breath and imagine Christ taking his first breaths as he rose from the tomb. I'd like to show you how to do it. And so I'm going to ask you to stand if you are able. And I'd like for you to breathe, and as you breathe, make that sound of the ocean, that gentle sigh sound like this. <sighs> Can you hear me with that sound? And so to breathe in, and try to breathe in and make the sound as well. And so 
As you breathe in, I'd like for you to put your hands over your heart in a prayer position and inhale. And now raise your arms up and exhale. And each time, make that sound. It's just a little pressure to make that sound. Once more. We're going to do it two more times. Inhale. Exhale. And once more, inhale. And exhale. Thank you. I think you can feel that it's relaxing. And it's, I think, as close as we can get to purring like a cat. So it makes us, breath makes us aware of our bodies and how we also share the same air. Now let's get back to Paul in Athens. Paul's eager to, eager to give his message and he demonstrates his learning by quoting two Roman poets, Epimenides, who wrote that God is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And you might recognize that phrase because it comes down to us in the Book of Common Prayer, in the Prayer for Guidance in Morning Prayer. And it's interesting that Paul quoted Epimenides twice, the other time being in his letter to Titus. Epimenides was from the island of Crete and is credited with his eponymous paradox called the liar's paradox. Paul seems to have studied him in some depth. The second Roman poet that Paul quoted is Eratus, who wrote of God, for we too are his offspring. The idea that we are offspring of God is in the Hebrew Bible in Genesis, and Paul explains to the Athenians that images of God in gold and silver, or anything from the art and imagination of human beings, does not do justice to the essence of the holy. For our inability to understand the magnitude of God and for our ignorance and failure to do God's will, Paul tells his, hear his hearers that God asks us to repent, to turn and change and learn anew. And then Paul tries to introduce his listeners to Jesus. If you will, try to imagine yourself standing among the other educated city dwellers before the Areopagus, a shrine dedicated to Ares or Mars, the god of war, a shrine which probably housed a statue of the deity. Paul had been speaking, and it's clear he's an impassioned speaker as well as a learned man. He's respected the Romans and did not demean their religious practices but challenged their understanding with new ideas and new ways of seeing into the infinite. And he has spoken, spoken intriguingly of the unknown God. He's led them to see themselves as living in the divine milieu, as part of God's creation, and then to view themselves as children, as offspring of God. Then he goes on and says, This unknown God has fixed a day in which the world will be judged, and judged with righteousness by a person, and not a Caesar, not a warrior, 
This person has been divinely appointed and is marked by a spectacular difference. He is someone God sent and whom God has raised from the dead. His sermon ends suddenly, and so does our lesson. But if we read on in the Acts of the Apostles, we learn that the response from Paul's listeners was more mockery than conversion. Yet despite his best efforts to reach the Athenians, he was not successful, but he carried on. As we know, he was not deterred. He kept on going, and it was mocked again and again, thrown out of towns and into prisons, but he didn't give up and maintained his faith that God was with him, the God in whom we live and move and have our being. Our second lesson from Peter's first letter gives us another glimpse into the great friend and disciple of Jesus. Peter is addressing one of the Beatitudes and one of the most difficult. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Peter urges his readers to keep their consciences clear since it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. In his time, there was much persecution of the early church, but in every time, the beatitude is a consolation for unjust treatment. Our gospel lesson prepares us for the weeks to come. We'll soon be celebrating the Ascension and then the great Feast of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. Jesus begins in our lesson saying, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Often we don't think that much about Jesus in terms of commandments, but he did tell us to love one another. George MacDonald, a wonderful Victorian writer, once wrote, Instead of asking yourself whether you believe or not, ask yourself whether you have this day done one thing because he said, do it, or once abstained because he said, do not do it. It is simply absurd to say you believe or even want to believe in him if you don't do anything he tells you. Jesus promises to send the advocate to be with his followers. He describes the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, as the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Jesus goes on and tells his followers that we know him, that the spirit abides in us and will be with us. Jesus will soon be leaving his disciples but will not leave them comfortless. The Comforter is coming. This Easter season is transitioning into the season of the Holy Spirit. And it's a time to welcome change and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, in this time of the church year, let us breathe in deeply. With the great swishing ujjayi breath taking in the love and promise of God and rejoicing that God is with us as close as our very breath. Amen. Amen.